going to do a quick review of last time, and I wanted to set down the doctrine of the office, the pastoral office, and uh, the work of ministry uh, in its in its uh, uh, purest form, so that as we take a look at. Uh, Wather and some of the things that were brought up, we can understand what the difference is and, and what brought them uh, to that particular place. Okay, uh, your sheet from last time could be white, could be pink. Um, we did an overview. Took a look at how does the Augsburg Confession explain things. Um, Jumping to Article 4, which dealt with justification, how we're declared righteous before Christ. Article 5 speaks of the ministry, that's the word ompt, or the word office. In other words, to obtain this faith, we set up the pastoral office. This is the means God uses to work faith by the preaching and the teaching. Article 6 was then how uh, fruits or good works uh, follow, new obedience. Article uh, 7 deals with the church. Uh, We teach the one church will continue to forever. Where do we find it? Where the gospel is taught and the sacraments are administered. Where you find the gospel being preached and the sacraments as ministered, you're going to find believers. What is the church? Well, it's going to be those who are made up of believers. Yeah, there'll be hypocrites that are going to be there as well. Skipping on to Article 14 of Ecclesiastical Order, no one is to publicly teach in the church or administer the sacraments unless he be rightly called. And so we wanted to see what about this rightly called. We went to the apology um, in which uh, we saw that it distinguishes between the call, which is by divine right, as opposed to church polity, how the church is organized, its governance, whether it is with a bishop or with the congregational polity. Um, We'll get into that later. I'm kind of holding off on that. That's by human right. That is, God didn't tell us exactly how that needed to happen. As we went forward to talk about rightly called, um, we we talked about how there was, uh, the whole church was involved. There's not only a call from the congregation, but also an ordination by the pastors. Thus, they're working together. We saw a little bit later in Apology 28 where they were distinguished between the power of the sword, the civil government, and the power of the church. And we saw that when they speak about the church's power, they're talking about the keys, the bishops, the ministry. It's not separate. It's all the same thing. And so they're saying in order that you might have the keys, I gave you the pastor. In order that there might be the word preached, I gave you the pastor. In order the sacraments, I gave you the pastoral office. I gave you those things. What are those things that are being done? Well, the pastor is to preach the word. He is to forgive and retain sins. Uh, he is to administer uh, the sacraments. As it went forward, and I kind of, I think, uh, got at least as far as this, that again and again they keep saying, this power is exercised only when this is going on. This is the normal way that God forgives sins. This is the normal way that uh, God creates faith and does these things. He does it by the ministry of the word. Um, it's not by force. It's not by these others. So um, that's about, uh, I think, as, as far as I got. Um There was one other point it was kind of quickly mentioned over. Paragraph 30 is disputed whether bishops or pastors have the right to introduce ceremonies in the church. That is, can they make laws concerning 
the eating of meats, holy days, grades of ministry, order of ministers, can they do this? The apology goes through and says, you know, uh, um, pastors have no authority to establish things that by such observance we may make satisfactions for sins, merit grace, and righteousness. Anything that would be contrary to the gospel, that is not allowed. You're not allowed to say, well, we've got this regulation, and if you don't do this, you can't be saved. Uh, if, if, if you do this, you'll merit grace and righteousness. It'll take away sins. That is not allowed. Nothing contrary to the command of God in any of those things. However, and I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this, but we'll come back to it uh, a little bit later. When it gets to paragraph 53, it says, What do we think of Sunday and like rites in the house of God? To this we answer that it is lawful for bishops or pastors to make ordinances that things be done orderly in the church. Not that we should merit grace or satisfaction or consciousness be bound to think that if we break them, it's, you know, it's offense to others. No, but if it is to be done for the sake of love and tranquility, so far that we do not offend another, that all things be done in the churches in order and without confusion. Um, of course, it says, you know, th- those things need to be uh, set down. It's, it's not against the gospel. It's not to earn. It's simply, we got to do it one way or another. Let's do it this way. It's an orderly way, and it allows uh, for that. Okay, um, that's kind of an overview of what we've taken a look at before. I went back as I was going to produce for you some pictures. Hmm. Realized that in our study of the Book of Concord that I had already drawn some pictures. And I figured you all remembered these from before. Um, So, to give you an example, going back before, we talked about the church has the right to call, elect, and ordain ministers. And so, this was kind of the diagram that we used, that the pastoral office is a gift that God has given to the church. We see that the purpose of this pastoral office is that the word and sacraments might be given to God's people, which create faith, which produce good works, which is, you know, all of these things. How does a man get into the pastoral office? Well, he is to be rightly called. And, as we've talked before, I think sometimes we talked about examine, call, and ordain. This one is call, elect, and ordain. Similar kind of thing. This is the way in which a man is placed into the office. Okay. When the Lutherans explained what I already went through with the Augsburg Confession, the Roman Church responded and said... Yeah, we think it's all okay as long as you follow canonical ordination. So here's what they said. No, no, no. When you guys say that it is by examination, call, and ordination that someone is placed into the pastoral office, that's all fine and good. But note that God gave the pastoral office to the Pope. And only the Pope can put someone into the office. That's what they mean by this canonical ordination. So, yeah, you can do those things, but unless you seek ordination from him, you don't have it. And the Lutherans said, no, that's, you know, we did understand that that's what you're saying. And that's why we spoke about it in a different way. Um, that's not that he holds the keys, he holds the office, and he only gives it to those who he wants. We disagree with this. What was the uh, most, not Lutherans, what was the Protestant, and, and some of you have kind of asked about this, 
What was the Protestant way of looking at things? Well, the Protestant way of looking at things said, well, uh, uh, God gives the word to everybody. And so, well, when the pastor, oh, well, wait a minute. I, I don't. When he stands up, whoever that person may be, he just preaches the word just like everybody else does. No, no difference. In fact, we might not even call him pastor. We might call him brother because he's no different from, from us. Um, he just has the word like everybody else. There may be times that, that you use the word pastor. I was uh, in a music store and we were looking at something and... and um, uh, one of the guys that was that was helping us uh, uh, was was asking, "Oh, well, what do you what do you want this for?" Or something. I think I was looking at a a, a microphone or or something like that. I said, "Well, I'm I'm the pastor at, at the Lutheran Church in Heron," and the guy looked at me and he says, "No kidding! I pastor a church too." But listen, I pastor a church. The word pastor in that instance is not a noun. It's a verb. Which means that it's not an office. It's not that you are the pastor. When you stand up and preach the word, you are pastoring. So it really doesn't matter that there's an office or that's a thing. Just when someone stands up, then they're pastoring. And that kind of fits this Protestant idea uh, that goes with it. So that's quite different from what Rome said. It's also quite different from what uh, the Lutherans have said. This was the uh, diagram that I had used uh, back when we were going through our Book of Concord study, where I tried to put all the pieces together in which God places the office. That person is rightly called. He preaches the word and sacraments, and kind of everything fits uh, within the church. Okay. So, that being said, um, I included for you a sheet that's going to have several of these diagrams. You're just going to have to kind of I put them all on there, front and back of one page. So, if we start off with... Yes, Brian. Yeah, um, they would say that Peter is the head of all the apostles... And therefore, Paul only does it with Peter's approval. I mean, that's that's the that's the line. Or the line is more of this instance: um, Paul is to the Gentiles, and so Peter says to him, "Yeah, you go off and take care of that." But it's always kind of it always has to go back to Peter. And so they would say any time that Paul goes back, like to uh, Jerusalem for the Jerusalem Council. Ah, he's going back to Jerusalem. That's where, quote, Peter the Pope is. So it's there's always this running back to it. It does. It does. So there are some things like that that are doesn't quite fit their setup. Okay, so this is the way that the Augsburg Confession sets it up. Um, this is um, what I've explained as I went through how do you get someone into what does it mean to be rightly called we went through and said there is the study education the examination there's really among Lutheran there's no argument about that point okay that one is just kind of set the argument comes among these two which is the call election which is by the laity and the ordination, or what the Lutheran confessions call the confirmation then, which comes by the pastors. And so you will often hear, I as a called and ordained servant of the word, both of those are put together. Okay? Um, 
and the point is always made, um, and I've, I've, as I've gone through this, I keep trying to decide how far do I need to go um, in, in explaining this. I'm, I'm choosing the not a little deep, but not real deep, okay? Martin Chemnitz does a fabulous, it would take me uh, uh, an entire class to go through, where he says that the office has been given to the whole church. And when he says the whole church, he's talking about the laity and the pastors. And he makes a point of this. Now, at his point, he wasn't dealing with uh, Walter in America and all this kind of stuff. He was dealing with one, the Pope, who had stolen away from the laity and the pastors themselves and says, I am the one who can give out the office. And and then, he, uh, at the time that the uh, Reformation, the ruler who was a Christian and it was in his land had a part to play because he was one of the laity and Chemnitz says you don't exclude him he's got a part to play he's a part of the whole church and then he talks about how the pastors and then he talks about how the laity need to receive the man you know if they propose an evil man the laity no and so he talks about the whole church it's a gift given to the whole church um, and so each one has uh, the part that they are to play in that. No. Um, yeah, it's it's a slow process, but already by about the Middle Ages, you start to see explicit things. You know, twelve hundred. No, there, there's, there's, you know, uh, those who would say that there is will point back to things going way back. They're just misreading it. Um, but it finally does come about that it's pretty well established by about twelve hundred. Um, and little things happen where um, you have the ruler who asked the Pope to come and install him. Well, from that point on, the Pope says, see, I'm the one who can install and depose kings, and so I'm over the kings, and, and it's, it's those kind of things that happen. All right, so this gets us to what would be the whole church. This is what Walther came up with. Hmm. Walther says that the pastoral office or the gift of the pastoral office has been given to every believer. And then every believer then transfers this pastoral office by means of a call to a man who then in the pastoral office does publicly what each one of them have been given to do privately. And so they say, or Walter says, that the pastor doesn't do anything different than what the layman does. He just does it publicly. And so they, and, and the, the, the German word, word is the Übertragungsglehre, the transfer theory that they transfer it over to him so they have it and they've always had it and they're the ones who originally have it and it's from them that you seek it. To push this forward then, yeah, there needs to be teaching and examination and then there is the call from the congregation itself which is simply the believer's and this thing about ordination, well, it's, it's really not anything. Now, they will say various things with it. Um, but the point is, is that the call makes you the pastor. The ordination and, um, you know, there were, I, I, I was told at, at the seminary, men, your ordination means nothing. <laughs> 
the ordinary. What? What is it? It's just the confirmation of the call. It's it's it. It doesn't mean it doesn't give anything. It doesn't do anything. The call, because that comes from the laity, from the believers, that is the important thing. Now, this is Wather's teaching. You are correct. So, so, so tell me if Wather brings this teaching, the transfer theory, and he brings it over to the Norwegians, Klaus Clausen, you know, up, up, up north, and, and what are they doing? They got lay pastors and laymen doing stuff. And, and what will they say? They'll go, well, this sounds pretty good to us. That's what we've been saying all along, right? Pietism gets back to the laymen, and so this sounds pretty good. Brian at a hand. Right. So, so, you know, we have our Lord who rose, rose from the dead, calls the eleven, hands over to them, Matthew 28, surely, make disciples baptizing and teaching, and then they go out. Pre- he doesn't grab the layman altogether and say, y'all have this. You know, it's just mob rule and, and whatever. Okay, Good. Um, let me hold off on that and, and ask me that again. Um, I, I'm going to keep my... I'm going. But that, that there's a question because you have to say, okay, we do agree that there are things going on. And some look alike, right? When you, when you teach your family around the dinner table, you're teaching. Well, pastor's teaching on Sunday. And there, there's things that look quite similar. Or can. So we say, all right, so tell me about this pastoral office that you have have set up. I mean, if this is the way that Wather set it up with this transfer theory, tell me about this pastoral office. Well, we got some op- we, we've got some uh, options. First of all, that office itself could be a divine office. And by that, what I mean is, is that God said there is a pastoral office. And he, God never said in the scriptures, you know, uh, that there will be a trustee in every congregation. He never said there will be a Sunday school teacher or a janitor. Those aren't divine offices. We just kind of set those up when we need those. But the divine, if, if the pastoral office is set up by God, there's no choice about this. You don't say, well, what do you think? Should we have a pastor? Should we not? You kind of go, no, no, no. God set it up. This is what Walther said. He said, wait a minute. It's a divine office. There are some that simply say this is a human arrangement. We've all got the gift. We've all got the office. We've all got the preaching. We all are supposed to do this. But when Sunday morning comes, we can't all get up and do this. So by human arrangement, rather than us all standing up and all talking at the same time, let's have everyone sit down and let's ask Henson to stand up and talk. So it's a human arrangement. And since we all can't do this, in fact, we could 
we could just say that you do it all the time, or we could say that you'll do it on the first Sunday, and you'll do it on the second, and you'll do it on the third, and you'll preach on the fourth. It's a human arrangement. The other possibility is this, that you can say, well, the office itself is not divinely set up, but the functions are divinely set up. In other words, God didn't say have a pastor, but he did say preach and and forgive sins and administer the sacraments. So as long as we have these functions going on, which God said to do, it may be that someone called the pastor does some of them, and someone called the teacher does some of them, and someone who's called who's a layman does some of those. As long as people do those functions, that's good enough. You don't necessarily have to have a pastor. Just make sure those things are being done. The congregation is in charge, meaning the laity. They hold, what? Walther comes along and says, this assures us that everything's right in this setup. Because you're concerned about all of this transference and the private and, and the whatever. He, he says, but that office, he does call it a divine office. And he does say that this is set up for that purpose. Um, what was he dealing with uh, that caused him to uh, move forward with this? All right. They came over. They followed Stephen. Stephen, uh, Martin Stephen, then committed immoral acts and was removed and sent over on a boat over to Illinois. At this point, the people are trying to figure out what are we going to do. The group of pastors, C.F.W. Walther, Kyle, oh, Walther, several of them, as a group now function as Martin Stephan did. So it's kind of a bishop by committee, and they're taking care of things. It includes because, and here's another problem, with every one of these immigrations is that you didn't have this real distinction between the pastoral office and preaching and civic affairs. In fact, you had them coming over and what are we going to do? We're going to buy property. We're going to set up a a government of sorts. We're going to. And so guess what? Yeah, Bishop Stephan was in charge of everything. Where do we plant, you know, crops? Where do we put the houses? What do we do first? When do we do roads? So you had the colony stuff that was also. And the, he's not the only one. We also had the same thing with um, Grabau and them coming over. We also had the same thing up in Frankenmuth with Leah, uh, who was you know working through some of them up there. So we had these kind of things. When Stefan went over, the people first were trying to figure out what are we going to do with this community property kind of stuff? And finally, they moved to private ownership and the problems that went with that. They also had, and here's the big thing, the laymen are going, okay, are we church? We're not sure we're church. We know that we were a part of the church over in Germany, but we got up and followed Stefan, and now that we got over here, we find out that he was a false preacher, so are we really church? It seems like we left the church. Maybe we have to go back to it. How would we know if we're church? The second question is, Is so what about these guys that are going around calling pastors? Are they really pastors? So Stefan gets up, takes over. Several of these, five, six pastors, follow him. What did CFW Walther do? Well, he's in another congregation. He's been there a couple years. He resigns his call in Germany, follows Stefan, and comes over here. So, do you have a call, C.F.W. Walker? Well, who's it from? Well, do you have a congregation? Well, I... So, Stefan came over here, and he divided them up into, like, five different groups and said, you go and serve them, but... Was there a call?
Paul? Was there a church? You know, and they're trying to figure out, are they church? And then these pastors, are they really called? Because if they're not really called, then how do we know that God wishes to use them? So Vesey's a layman. He wrote these theses. Wather's going to visit him at his house. Vesey has said they're not the church. They need to go back to Germany. So during this time, there's a period of over a year in which they are going back and forth. Laymen are putting forth uh, theses. The pastors are looking at these things and trying to figure out what do we do about this mess. As this is going on, I don't know, sorry. Um, As this is going on, they are... uh, congregations are trying to decide, well, what about this guy that preaches? And so often they were getting rid of the pastor, saying, well, we're not quite sure that you're really a pastor. We're not quite sure that God wishes to use you. So the laymen were having services in their homes. And the pastors are trying to decide. I got one more uh, section that I want to show you that kind of illustrates what they are up against. Then I saw a new pattern. 
All right, so you can see the confusion that reigns. You can see the concern about being church, the concern about are they pastors? Well, how are you going to ordain someone? Because if you're not a pastor, then what's going to happen? Um, you can see already this well. What if the people just do it and, and they just call someone? Would, would, would that work okay? You can already see back between Vasey and, and Walther this running back and forth. Vasey says, well, it resides with the people. And Walther goes, well, yeah, but in Romans 10, like 
dogs were confession. It talks about how you did the pastoral office in order to be word and sacrament, so that in order to create such faith, God provided it this way. So, well, what happened? So, did the egg come first, or did the chicken come first? And you know, how are we how are we going to do this? Um, the laymen are pushing. The pastors are studying, and and no one kind of has a way out of this mess um, of what they're going to do. Beza ends up going back to, after he writes this thesis uh, that, that he has, and, and this is something, he ends up going back. Um, Marbach, another uh, doctor, uh, layman, um, picks up kind of the cause for the layman side, as well as Frege, you can see some of these others, in which there is this pastors and laymen arguing back and forth and and what are we to do with this the guy says something to the effect of if we end up following what Beza says then it's uh, um, and use that as our government you're going to find that the people can do this and everything will work out fine you can go take your call and so the call from Venity is just from the people that'll work we don't have to worry about that this is where we're left Pretty soon, uh, there's a, another period of time, Walther goes through whatever, but finally we get to what's called the Altenburg debate, in which Marbach stands up for the layman, Walther stands up for uh, the pastors, and they have a debate. The question is always, well, who won? <laughs> um, the crazy thing about the whole thing, and, and I'll show you some of this, is that Pretty well, Walther grabs onto Vesa's understanding and thinking, makes that his foundation, adds some safeguards to it, like the divine office, it's a divine office, and therefore it comes from God, uh, that uh, the word of God has all the authority, not the people or the pastors, but it has to come from the word, and that the pastoral office is not to be of a time limited, but when he is called, he is there and, you know, as, as long as the Lord leaves him there. Um, so there are some things that he adds to it, but pretty well, Marbach is, um, concedes to Walther, but the reality is that you know, if anybody won, won that day, it was Weza who's over in Germany. That's that's where things are headed. Um, some questions, comments about some of the things. Brian? It seems to be a valid point, exactly. So, you have one of two, I mean, to say, what would normally have happened? Normally, you would do one of two things. A congregation over there would call a pastor, send him over here to do mission work on their behalf. He's got a call and he's got a place to do it. No problem. Or, you have, like Stefan, who is has a call and the people say, we can't be church here in this town. Let's all pick up and go over here. And that's what they did. But once they got over here and he gets removed, now you don't have anyone who actually has a call because the other five resigned. And here's a guy who's gone. So now we got, now who do we? Good question. So if you're following someone who doesn't have a call, we well, did, but now he's gone. And so now we look around and say, nobody here really has a call. In, 
So, what determines whether you're church? You've got two options. You can say it comes from the word and sacraments. When I'm gathered around the word and sacraments, but in order to have the word and sacraments, there's got to be a pastor preaching the word and administering them. And if there's no pastor here, now I'm not quite sure if the word and sacraments are sent by God. So that, you see how that got cut off? Wather's explanation was, don't worry about that. If you have faith, which is invisible, all of us are believers. We're church because we're believers, not because of that. And so we can still be. That was the concern. Um, The problem was is that they're not following the order, and so that cut them off. They had to come up with something different. Right. So, So, if you are, and and this is extremely important, um, and that's why I actually played this clip, so that you would understand their great upheaval inside. And until you can understand why why they don't know whether they're church or not, you're not going to understand why we're going forward with this. In the Augsburg Confession, there are two articles that deal with, of the church, and what the church is. This one describes the church as the total number of believers. And this is what you are telling me. You're saying, wait a minute, the church is made up of believers. Right? And, and that is true. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, I don't want to put that down. You are exactly right. But if I say to you, uh, um, you're, you're, you, you tell me, I'm looking for the for the church. I'm a Christian, but I'm looking for the church. Do you go around looking for believers? Why can't you go around looking for believers? Because you don't know who they are. Well, what if you say, well, I've, I found a bunch of believers because they, they all dress, you know, uh, um, modestly. I found a bunch of believers because they're all very loving. I found a bunch of believers because they all sit in pews on Sunday. The point is, is that this does not let you find the church. Where do you find the church? The one church is the congregation in which the gospel is rightly taught and the sacraments are rightly administered. So you go where, if the word is rightly taught and the sacraments are rightly administered, you know that that is church... There will be believers there. You're not going to know who and which, but you'll know. This thing, so what happened was is they didn't know that they had pastors and they're not sure about the gospel preached and the rightly administered, and so now they don't know about this. Wather's answer to this whole question was what? Well, Don't worry about the pastoral office. He went through and developed a thesis in which he could assure them that they were church without a pastoral office. 
which if that's the normal way that God works, now granted, it's not that I, God can't work through the word, you know, through through the uh, um, through the Bible in the hotel room placed by the Gideons, but that's not the normal way that God works. So that's why this. So when uh, he comes along and comes up with with this, he says, "Oh no, no, you don't need a pastor." You don't need anything. As long as you've got a whole bunch of believers, they'll just hand over what you already have. We already have the office because everyone has it. But if that's what it looks like, even if you put those things, here's what happens. This is actually this. Is there really a distinct office? No, pretty well. The church is the office. It's just some does it privately and some do it publicly. And Rother's doctrine ends up preaching an office that this is what it actually ends, even though he says it's this. When we finally get done with it, we say, well, you just lost the pastoral office. Um, I'm pretty sure it looks a whole lot like that. So that, when Walther got done with this, Grabau looks at this and says, you just got a Protestant view of the office. And Leah, back in Germany, who had sent so many people over, and most of them were in fellowship with uh, Missouri, withdrew fellowship from them and said, you just got a Protestant view of the office. And the ones who were... And so, most everyone looked at this and kind of said, yeah... That can't be. That's not the way the Augsburg Confession speaks. And so they had a problem with it. I, I mean, yes. I mean, I don't, I don't know if I can comment. I mean, that's exactly what happened. Now, right. And so, you know, they would say that, um, and, and I think that probably fits in with them making him bishop halfway over here on the, on the ocean because they went, okay, so from whom then do we have our authority? We'll get it from him. So they put all the cards in his. So. Now, if I go back, and I didn't spend a whole lot, but you go back to the power and the primacy, you look on the, the documents and some of those, they do talk about, you know. If the Pope and the bishops refuse to ordain our Lutheran pastors, in other words, we've got an emergency situation in which we're trying to include we're trying to include everybody, but they refuse you know, to give us a pastor who will distinguish law and gospel and preach like a Lutheran. They say, then it's incumbent upon the church, and they can, a pastor in their own congregation, can ordain someone. And so, yes, we can take care of this. And they, they, But the problem is that that's not normally the way. Normally, you use the ones who are there, and I would say this is normal. You know, and so you would say, normally what happens you know, you got a father and your mother and you have kids and then they get married and they have kids. Yeah, that's the normal. What happens when that gets messed up? Well, you don't just say, well, it doesn't matter. You don't have to have fathers. You can just go on. Well, no, you get back to the way it should be. Um, that's, that's, that's the way they viewed it.
see, I, I, yeah, I, I don't have an answer. So what was going on in Germany? Pietism, yeah. And so pietism let everything get loose. All you knew is that we had a bunch of rationalists that were in charge of the church and we're getting out of here. And, you know, we are, according to pietism, the enlightened ones. And when we got over here, we began to untangle everything and go, wait a minute. Right. Uh, Interesting enough, Stefan was the only one who didn't have a university degree. I mean, there's just all these things now that you look and you just kind of go, you know. uh, um, All right, Eric? They considered themselves the church, and we were coming to plant the church in the new world. Well, he had been called and ordained. We're coming to do this. So we are the church. We couldn't stay. They have given up their right, you might even say, to be church. That's the way they would have looked at it. So we're coming too. So when you say, well, let's go back to the rationalists and beg to be there, you know. Right. There's no pastors back home that we would, we would call. In fact, even the Lutherans on the East Coast had said, we really need pastors. But when we asked them to send over pastors, nine out of ten of them we got to reject. So they quit doing it. Luther at the Altenburg debate puts what? Walther at the Altenburg debate. Thank you. Um, Put forward theses on the church. Later he combines it with something called the theses on the ministry. Um, What does he do? He, based upon Beza, he comes up with the theory. The theory is that everything comes from the laity. Not the whole church, like we said, but the laity, just the believers. That's what we're talking about. 
Um, the communion of saints is those who have been called. The proper sense is those, you know, it's, there's heretics. But the church is invisible. And the true church of believers and saints, it is to which Christ has given the keys of the kingdom of heaven. In other words, everybody has the keys. Just like he, Walter says, everybody has the ministry, everybody has the keys, everybody has this. Therefore, the church, meaning the laity, the believers, is the real and sole holder and bearer of the spiritual, divine, and heavenly blessings, rights, powers, offices, etc. They all have it. So again, go back to that each individual. According to Walter, you all have the keys, the office, all of these kind of things. And because you have that, uh, then you are able to you know, hand things over and to be church and to do this. He goes on. I, I, again, I'm trying to get a, a, a little quicker. Later on, he comes up on these theses of ministry. These are kind of the way of protecting the pastoral office from what he's undone with, with the other. Um, the pastoral office is distinct from the priestly office that belongs to all believers. Um, it's not human. It's divine. It's not arbitrary. He set it up. Um, it's not an order that's set up and over and above. But what is it? The five. The minister of preaching is conferred by God through the congregation as a holder of all the church powers or of the keys and by its call. So the congregation, all these laymen, they got all this by its call as prescribed for God. Uh, the ordination of those called with the laying on the hands, it's not a divine institution, it's an apostolic church ordinance, nearly a, merely a public solemn confirmation of the call. Uh, I'll talk about that later, um, a little bit more. The holy ministry is the authority conferred by God through the congregation, handed over, as the holder of the priesthood and of all churchly power to administer in public office the common rights of the spiritual priesthood in behalf of all. You all are the spiritual priesthood, and you hand it over to the pastor, and I do it on your behalf, on behalf of all. I do the stuff that each one of you individually have. So, Wather will go back when he says, but when we say the divine, it's also in the study of Christ. So, he's, he's, he's trying to stop it. He's trying to keep this polity, but tweak it just enough um, that the laity will, will, will accept it. Um, we'll, we'll, we'll keep it. Um, that's what we have with um, which what comes out of the uh, debate, the Altenburg debate. It is from that point that everything comes together and is settled. Um, it is at that point that Wather accepts a call to the congregation Trinity up in Missouri. What is uh, ironic about all of this is that if you saw Wather's practice in the congregation, in connection with other congregations and all, it would look exactly like I would do, like we do. Though they didn't say ordination, they still had ordinations. Though the pastors still, pre they didn't have laymen doing these things like the Norwegians. He gave this thing, but Wather was followed all of the Nor. I mean, didn't do anything crazy like that. Um, but he went around telling the layman, "You're in charge," and the layman said, "Okay, you do it. Yeah, right." So then he would do it. But he kept assuring the layman that they were in charge. What's a little ironic is that he takes the call to Trinity in, in Chicago, and, and everyone really likes him. And so then when there's another congregation formed or whatever, they make him the pastor of that one too, until he becomes the pastor of five congregations in St. Louis. And some of these other guys become assistant pastors, and Wather you know, preaches at them. He goes like to three congregations a Sunday and goes and they're driving him everywhere and doing this. And then pretty soon he becomes the uh, uh, synodical president. And not long after that, he becomes the seminary president. And he's the pastor of five congregations. And he's producing a newspaper, Der Luther Honor. 
and go, really? Um, and you laymen are in charge. Okay. Um, all right, I'm going to stop there. We'll come back and, and push forward next time. Tony, do you have a... All of the other old Lutherans go, we've never seen anything like this before. And um, I'll show you the thing where they said, you know, this kind of setup uh, um, has never been tried before. This is all new. Um, Wather would say, it's because we're over in America and the government is separate from the church. That's why it, we had to set it up this way. Brian? And so, as I'll also show you next time, when it talks about democracy, democracy always results in compromise. So how does that work for a church? Yeah. Tony? Right. And so what happens is those that follow after him don't have the high view that he has. And so those things that were supposed to be protections, you don't. And as I already mentioned, the Norwegians that, that have lay preachers said, yeah, we like that stuff, too. And uh, someone like um, uh, Wisconsin Senate, you know, who has a functional view of the pastoral office said, yeah, that's good with us, too. And so all of a sudden we realize wait a minute, Walter would never have done those things. But that's what we're left with. There's one other. Heavenly Father, uh, we ask that you would gather us together around your word, uh, that uh, by that word, that you would create in us uh, faith in our Savior, which uh, gives us a declaration from you, a declaration of righteousness in your Son. In Jesus' name we pray.